Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. It is uh, again a good. Uh, it is a good day that we have uh, to be here living. Um, last week, if you remember, we we talked about you know being alive and and being present. Um, you did wake up this morning. Um, you are in existence. Um, you are sitting in these pews, and uh, by all of the uh, you know, stimuli and input that we get from the outside world for all intents and purposes, again, you are alive. And as long as you are alive, you have an opportunity to, to serve God. And I say opportunity um, to serve um, in the context that by our servitude of God, uh, we prove to Him that we are worthy of eternal life. Um, opportunities like this don't come along very often. Um, and you may be asking, well, what, is that, what does that mean? Well, <clears throat> if you look back at, uh, well, let me just put it to you this way. Um, I know we've talked about the phrase, that, or excuse me, the verse in the scriptures that says, few there be that find it. Mm -hmm. Well, few there be that find the opportunity to serve God in a matter that he finds pleasing. Uh, because not everyone has the opportunity to be, well, excuse me, everybody has the opportunity to be exposed to the Word of God, but not everybody has the ability to accept those words. Um, I was looking back at the parable of the sower, and I got to thinking about, um, you know, there's different types of ground. There's good ground, there's rocky ground, there's thorny ground. Why, why can't the thorny ground be good ground? I mean, let's say, for example, your ground, just, just bear with me here, and there's a bunch of thorns in your ground. You're thinking, well, you know, across the street there's good ground or good soil. Why can't I be like the good soil? Well, you can't be, right? Because you're a thorny soil. You, you can't remove the thorns that are in your soil unless somebody, the farmer, uh, in this case, or the, the keeper of the land, remove those thorns and make you into good ground. And through God's, um, you know, through God's providence and His good will, um, each and every one of us were thorny ground. We were stony ground, and it took God to till us, to make us... Uh, Receptible to the word of God, so that when that plead, when that seed was was planted, um, it was the soil was was properly uh, oxygenated. It was tilled. It was made ready to accept the word of God. And through the acceptance of the word of God, through baptism into uh, the the, bet, the death, the burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity. To serve. The scripture tells us that we are all called. Scripture also says that we also have one hope of a calling. And what is that hope? Or and what is that calling? We're all called to be servants of God. And through being called servants of God, we have a hope of eternal life. The title of my lesson this morning is the trumpet and specifically the last trumpet. Um, that last trumpet signifies the beginning 
or the realization of that one hope. Um, the scripture tells us in many occasions, even going back uh, in, the, in, the, in the Old Testament, uh, for example, if you were to, and we're going to read it here in a few moments, um, in the 33rd chapter of the book of Ezekiel, uh, the prophet Ezekiel talks about this trumpet or the sound of a trumpet and, and what this trumpet signifies. Um, First Peter talks about the trumpet as well, and we'll read that in a, in, a, in a few moments. And then in the book of Revelation, there are six trumpets, or excuse me, seven trumpets, rather. And which, with the sound of each trumpet, it signifies something. It signifies that something is going to happen. And I got to thinking about these trumpets and the distinctive sound that each of these trumpets will make. And will we have the ability to hear them? Will we be able to understand what's going on when we hear them? There is a uh, famous um, science experiment uh, about mental conditioning. Um, it's called Pavlov's Dog. Pavlov's Dogs. I know I may be saying that wrong. And so what they went about um, you know, this experimental or this exercise about mental conditioning is that you can mentally condition dogs in this case to respond to a particular stimuli in a, in a way that, in any way that you please. So what they did is they took a belt and every time that they conditioned or mentally conditioned these dogs, every time they heard a particular sound, they would respond um, because they knew that that was, uh, that sound equ uh, equated to or um, was the ind uh, indicator that it was time to eat. Same is true with cars. Um, you can hear a car horn and you know what it is. You don't even know, you can hear a baby cry. And it's not necessarily you know, that woman's baby or that woman's baby, but if it is your baby, you are mentally conditioned to know what's going on, or that's my child. And by the type of cry, you're also able to, to, to know what's going on with them, versus, you know, just a, a whining cry versus a sharp, shrieking cry. Um, when you hear a triangle, you know, back in the Western days when the, uh, um, you know, the the, the hands were out there working uh, the fields or tending to the cattle. You know, the, the woman of the house, when it was time to serve dinner, what would she do? She'd go outside and she'd have a triangle and she'd, you know, make that triangle sound. What was that? It was basically mental conditioning. The people were mentally conditioned to respond to that sound. You know, it's, it's interesting, um, and, I, and I can get into another topic, but I won't, about um, uh, cognitive bias. Mm -hmm. You know, we all have a, ment we are mentally conditioned to have a bias towards some things versus other things. Um, a smell. If I hear, if I smell something, right, um, like I smell this fried chicken, in the back. I don't know if it's there, but I can smell it. And I may be, I may have just eaten, brec eaten breakfast, but if I'm mentally conditioned
to really enjoy the taste of fried chicken. The smell alone will cause my salivary glands to flow. My stomach will start to rumble. I'll have a feeling of hunger and desire because I know that smell is an indication or is going to, uh, is a pre, uh, precursor to something. Mm -hmm. So long introduction just kind of get us in the same frame of mind. If you have your Bibles, go to uh, John the 10th chapter, and we're going to read uh, a passage of Scripture here about mental condition. In uh, John the 10th, oh boy, I'm just tripping all over my tongue today. John the 10th chapter, starting at, uh, and let's start at verse number 22. How about that? Just to kind of get a backdrop. Uh, John the 10th chapter, starting at verse 22, it reads, and it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter. Um, so, you know, that lets us know, uh, you know, the, the climate, the time of year. It gives us almost the, the, the month and the day, if you will. If you were to go back and, and you know, do some research as to this feast of the dedication, um, we can kind of focus in on, on what was going on in the time of the year. And, and that's important, and I'll explain to you to why in a few seconds. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long doest thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. And, again, I'll hold that comment for a few moments. Let me read a, a few verses further, and then we'll, we'll get to kind of the, the basis of that question. In verse number 25, Jesus says, I told you, and ye believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. And ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. You know, the, the <clears throat> there is not a shadow of a doubt when we hear a train Honk its horn. We know what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not a shadow of a doubt when you hear your child say mom or dad in a sea of other moms and dads who and what is being requested because we have been mentally conditioned. Our ears have been attuned to hear things and to respond to them in a certain way. If you go back and you look at verse number 22, it was the Feast of the Dedication. In my, my study Bible here, uh, I'll just kind of read it here. The Feast of the Dedication celebrated the cleansing of the temple by Judas, Judas Maccabus after its uh, desecration by some guy in 165 B.C. And I'm saying some guy because I, I don't want to pronunciate it because I know I'm not going to get it right. Furthermore, I haven't done this research myself to verify but this was a feast to dedicate the temple. Um, it, if, if I take what the, uh, the author of the study Bible has written here as being the truth, um, what they did is they cleansed the temple, they dedicated it for the purpose of carrying out spiritual or religious exercises. It's kind of like dedicating a boat, right? You know, you take a bottle of wine and you hit the side of the boat and the boat leaves the, uh, the dock and goes into the sea. 
this was kind of a, a, a ceremonial um, feast to say that the temple is open for service. Except what happened? It was during the winter. The weather outside was not ideal. Uh, the weather outside was uncomfortable. I don't know, you know, whether it was rainy, but because it was winter, I know that it was colder. Um, I know that if this were, in fact, you know, a community event, um, it really took the most dedicated people to show up. Why would I need to show up for a feast of the dedication? Why would I need to show up for a ribbing-cutting ceremony for the temple when it's, you know, really don't need to be there. Um, it is not codified, if you will, in the Mosaic Law. Um, it's rainy outside. It's cold. But these people showed up. It says that Jesus was walking about in the temple and these, and these Jews showed up and they asked him the question, how long will you make us doubt what we're doing today? Don't you know, Christ, that it's difficult enough for me to show up at this feast of the dedication during the winter months and when we see you here in the temple it causes us to doubt whether or not this feast of the dedication the sacrifice that we have made to be here for this ribbon cutting ceremony is even of value why won't you tell us jesus plainly that you are the christ jesus responds by saying I told you, but you didn't believe me. I spoke, but you did not hear what I said. Are you mentally conditioned to hear and believe the words of God? When he speaks, do your ears perk up? When he tells, when he gives a commandment, do you do? Well, it depends on whether or not you're one of the sheep. It goes on to say in verse number 27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I don't know if you've had the good pleasure of herding sheep, or herding any type of grazing animal. Okay, better yet, if you've, if you've had a pet, let's say a dog, I can't use cats, I can use a cat. I had a cat. A white cat. I don't know what we called that cat. I think we called it cat. Uh, I can't remember what we called it. But I can mentally condition that cat to respond to this sound. I could go out in the backyard and not see the cat, not know where the cat is. And I can go. And that cat, give it time. I'll do it a couple times, I'll stand there for a few minutes, and that cat will come bounding over the fence. Because that cat knows the sound of my voice. Mm -hmm. And it knows that if, if that, in fact, is my voice, that it's feeding time. Right? It jumps over the fence, and it'll come up to me, and it'll purr, and I'll give it food. It'll eat, and then off it goes. And then I'll, and then it'll, oh, that's Thomas with the food again. It's mentally conditioned to respond to that. You have a dog, if you have a pet dog, you know, 
you know, I could say your dog's name and it'll look at me like I'm crazy, but you can say your dog's name. It knows the intonation. It knows all of the sub-vocals of your voice. And it will follow you. Jesus makes this distinction to these Jews. He says the reason why you have doubts, the reason why that you can't believe me is because you are not mentally conditioned to hear my words. You don't know the sound of my voice. It goes on to say in verse number 28, I will give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Um, speaking of the sheep who hear his voice. I will give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them, gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. You know what the Jews did? What does it say in verse number 31? Then the Jews took up stones again. This isn't the first time. It says, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. You know, one of the things that uh, really jumps out to me, if you kind of read the remainder uh, of, this, uh, of this particular passage, is that Anybody who is not Jesus' sheep, or anybody who is not mentally conditioned to respond to the words of Jesus, is an enemy. They are the wolves. You know, it's the difference between those on the right hand and the difference between those on the left hand. You know, where Jesus says, uh, those on the right come in to receive eternal life, and to those on the left, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. The difference between those individuals is that they are not attuned to the voice. They can't hear Jesus. How does that, how does that pertain to uh, the trumpet? If you have your Bibles, uh, turn to the book of Colossians, please. Sorry, 1 Thessalonians, my apologies. Turn to 1 Thessalonians, 3rd chapter. Okay, so when we, when we look here at 1 uh, uh, Thessalonians, what we see here in chapter 3, and if you have your Bibles, um, let's take a look at... Uh, uh, we'll start reading at uh, verse number 6. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, in verse number 6. It says, but now, when, but now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, 
as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all your affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. There was a mental conditioning uh, that uh, Paul went through with the Thessalonians. Um, we know that uh, Paul, um, I believe this was his third missionary journey. One second here. This may have, I want to say this was his, his third missionary journey. Um, but he went about he went about the land preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ why did he do that why did he go once why did he go twice why did he go three times why did he follow up with numerous letters and then send Timothy to these various congregations <clears throat> why does uh, why does uh, Paul tell us to do the work of an evangelist. Why does he tell us to be instant in season and out of season? Preach the word of God. Why do we study to show ourselves approved? Why do we sing psalms? Why does the scripture tell us that you know, when, when the church comes together, that we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Why is it that we have an example that on the first day of the week, the congregations of the churches of Christ get together for fellowship, for study, for all those various things? Why do we do that? Why do you teach your children Constantly and remind them constantly of the same things over and over and over and over. Why is it essential that we do that? The reason for all of that is mental conditioning. He can't just hear the gospel of Jesus Christ once and expect it to stick. He can't just read the Bible once and expect it to stick. You can't just study once and say, I've learned everything, I've, I've done it all, or I've studied it all once, I'm good to go. You have to continue to read the Word of God. You have to continue to study, to show yourself approved, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And one of the things that we see here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 is the result of this mental conditioning. It says, now when Timothy came from you, came from you unto us. So Timothy is coming back to report what the church in Thessalonica is doing. He says that he brought us good tidings of your faith and charity. It says in verse number seven that they were comforted, and that through all the affliction and distress that they maintained their faith. They had been mentally conditioned to hear the words of God and to do them. It's not rocket science. There is no magical uh, um, giant, uh, I was trying to think of uh, Jack and the Beanstalk here. It's not like a, a magic bean, right? Where, where you can just plant it and, and it grows 
uh, exceptionally tall and strong. You have to continue to feed. You have to continue to water. You know, in 1 Corinthians, it says what? That, uh, what? Paul planted, Apollos watered, and what? God gave the increase. Well, what is the watering? It's mental conditioning, continuing to feed, continuing to preach, continuing to teach the Word of God, so that when Jesus speaks, all of his sheep know the sound of his voice. Why is that important? Go to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 4, starting at verse number 13. Paul again writes here, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And this is the important thing. We say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. I always, always read that, and I think, boy, you know what, I, I hope I hear that sound. But you know what this, this scripture is telling me, is it's not going to be a physical sound. Because if we're a physical sound, then how could the dead hear it? I mean, the scripture just got, is just telling us that Christ, when he comes, with a loud, when he shouts, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, every person will hear it. And let me rephrase that. Let me qualify that. Every person of God, every child of God, Every sheep that has their ear attuned to the voice of the Lord, the trumpet of God, will hear it. And what will they know? What will their ears be conditioned to know about that sound? Okay, God has sent His Son again. The time has come for Christ to redeem His church. And what does it tell us? That even the dead will hear that sound. And what will they do? They will rise up. And as that passage tells us that all of us, as in a response to hearing the voice of our shepherd, hearing the, the shout of our Lord Jesus Christ, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet of God, what are we all going to do? What are we all going to do? We're going to look up, right? Because we've been conditioned to do that. But guess what? Those who doubt, those who don't believe, those who do not know the voice of Jesus, they won't look up. They won't be gathered up into the clouds, and they won't be with the Lord forevermore. Because they don't believe the sound of of Jesus' voice. Go to, uh, um, if you have your Bibles, let's quickly jump over to uh, 
Ezekiel chapter 33. And we'll talk about the watchman. We you know kind of, it's probably been a few years now since uh, I gave a lesson on this, but the, the lesson that I gave on this beforehand is, you know, a watchman's responsibility is to sound the alarm when trouble comes. Or alarm the people inside the city that something is about to happen. And any watchman who fails in his duty to blow that horn is not only damning himself, but he's damning everyone else in the city to a horrible fate. And what Ezekiel is talking about here with the watchman is that the watchman also has an obligation to condition the people in the city to respond to that sound. Right? Let's say, for example, for example, you hear a bird outside. A bird, okay, I'll give you a, a, a great example. Ravens, crows, etc. They are highly intelligent birds in, the, you know, in the, the, the grand scheme of birds, right? And so what crows, ravens will do is they have an alarm that they sound when trouble is near. So, you know, you'll have a raven up at a high perch, right? They'll see a, an eagle or a hawk come through and they'll go, Right? That's the alarm, right? And all the ravens know something's up. I don't know that alarm. I hear it, right? Because I have ears. I'm not deaf. But when I hear that alarm, I don't respond to it. It's background noise to me. And I continue on with my day. If you have your Bibles again, Verse number 6 of Ezekiel chapter 33. It says, But if the watchmen see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is, a take, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his, blood will I, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman, Unto the house of Israel. Wherefore thou shalt hear the word. At, excuse me. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth. And warn them from me. When I say unto the wicked. O wicked man. Thou shalt surely die. If thou doest not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. We have various watchmen. Right? That God has put into place. You know, Ezekiel was a watchman. All of the prophets in the Old Testament were watchmen. Paul and, you know, the other 12 apostles, or excuse me, the other 11 apostles were, were watchmen. What about Jesus? What does Jesus' word warn us today of? 
Jesus' words tell us. I tell you nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. He tells us also that those who do not hear my voice will perish. He tells us that those who do not believe in me and my word as the only begotten Son of God are subject to everlasting damnation. That's what he, that's what Jesus as the watchman is doing. The question is, when the watchman sees the sword coming, when the watchman sees the end coming, just as we just got to read in 1 Thessalonians, when the end comes, when God the Father goes to his son and says, now is the time, the faithful watchman will do what? He'll take his trumpet. Jesus will take the trumpet of God with the voice of the archangel, and he will shout, and he will blow that, that, that trumpet will be blown. And for those of us who know, those of us who read, those of us who have our ears attuned, will hear it and avoid, as we just got through reading here in uh, Ezekiel chapter 33, we will avoid the sword. We will avoid that destruction that God has promised that he will bring on to the world. How do I know this? Go to 1 Peter. say uh, in actually it's in 2 Peter, my apologies 2 Peter chapter 2 if you want to read through that entire chapter uh, in, in chapter 3 in particular and, I'm, and I say chapter 2 because in that entire chapter it tells us what God has done to those who are unrighteous and what he will do in verse, in chapter 3, what does it say? It says, <clears throat> in verse number 5, For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing on the water and in the water. And this is Second Peter chapter 3, um, in verse 6, Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So what should we be doing? Verse number, 10, verse number 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So what should we be doing? It goes on to say in verse number 15, or in verse number 16, As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, 
which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. We know these things are coming. We know what it's going to look like. And we believe it. If we've mentally conditioned our spiritual ears to hear our shepherd. How does Jesus talk to us? How does Jesus talk to us today? He talks. He speaks to us through the Word. Yeah. Yeah. Bibles, uh, let's finish off by looking at uh, the book of Revelation um, and brother uh, Garner the third read uh, from Revelation chapter 9 we're going to uh, read from Revelation chapter 11 and uh, some uh, Brother Garland III, can you start reading from the 15th verse, from Revelation chapter 11? And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord, and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders sat before God on their seats, fell upon their faces, and worshipped God saying that we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Continue reading. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and, now, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings, and an earthquake in great hail. So this trump, again, I, I, I use the analogy of a crow, signaling you know, other crows that trouble is, is near. Now, if I study crows, but study the behavior of crows, right? If I if I knew what crows do, how they act, how they respond to certain stimuli, when I hear that crow sound, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to be looking around too, because I know what that means. Are you conditioning your ear to know the voice of the Lord? And and I know I'm maybe beating around the bush because the question that I have that hopefully uh, I will advance in this lesson is, what does that look like? What does that sound like? Well, I'm here to tell you that his voice sounds like the Word of God. Okay. Is the Word of God physical or spiritual? His words are spiritual. Um, they're spiritual. The book of Romans tells us that 
the words are, are spiritual and, and thus they need to be spiritually discerned. What does Jesus' voice sound like? It sounds like the spiritual words of God. You know, you may ask your question, if I'm alive, then how is it that I'm going to respond to the spiritual words of God? As a matter of fact, the, the, the 12 disciples, before they were, uh, became apostles in the first chapter of the book of, uh, the book of Acts, asked Jesus that exact same question. How are we going to know the signs of the end? Yes. Jesus said, what? He says, you are living in the last times. Right now. I could come at any time. My father has, I don't even know. When God says, you know, Jesus, my son, go down and get, go, go down and get my church. Then I know that's my time. I got to go. He said that there will be wars and rumors of wars and, and uh, all of these various things. Uh, going on into the New Testament, uh, the scripture tells us that the time won't come until the son of perdition be revealed. But it's already been revealed. Satan has already been revealed. The Antichrist is here today. So if that last trumpet is signifying the end, guess what? Every time you open up the scripture, you're hearing that trumpet. You're hearing Jesus shout. You're hearing the power of the trumpet of God every single time you read the word and you believe it. Spiritually, you should hear it. You should hear his voice talking Amen. to you. Yes. Amen. And when finally the end comes, because we are in the last times, as it says, um, as Brother uh, Garner III just, just read, what does it say? Let me go back and, and read that again. The seventh angel will sound. There were great voices in heaven. This is what they said. The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. When did that happen? Has it not happened yet? Has it already happened? Is it still to come? When did the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of God and his Christ? Well, if you go back and you, if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> let's go back to uh, the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12. Start reading at uh, verse number 31. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. You remember the Beatitudes, the meek shall inherit the earth. 
Remember what it says in Matthew 16 and verse 33? It says the exact same thing. Or 6.33, excuse me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You can see that here in Luke, the 12th chapter, in verse number 31. It goes on to say, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Has he given us the kingdom? Has he given us the keys to the kingdom? Absolutely. He has given us the keys to the kingdom of God through the word, through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Goes on to say, Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that filleth not, where no thief approacheth, neither, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So the kingdom is already there. We have keys to that kingdom. We'll be able to use those keys when we hear the voice of our Lord calling. But let me continue reading. In verse 35 it says, Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. When he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find them watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. If he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so blessed are those servants. In this know that if the good men of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not suffered his house to be broken through. But ye therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when ye think not. So what do we have to do? Have to be ready. In the twinkling of an eye, we will all be transformed. At the sound of the archangel, in the twinkling of an eye. Well, that, that sound of an archangel must be quicker than the twinkling of an eye. I'm just thinking. You know, if I'm thinking of it in, in the physical terms, right? I'm thinking, okay, if the sound of an archangel, I hear it, and then I'm turned just like that. You know, I have to be so mentally conditioned that sound mm -hmm. that subconsciously I already know what it is and what's going to happen. That's, that's just what I'm thinking here, right? But spiritually speaking, you're going to see it. You're going to know. What does that look like? I don't know. I haven't seen the end of, end of the world yet. Um, the scripture tells me what's going to happen. It tells me what it's going to look like. But before all of those things happen, I won't even be here on this earth to begin with. Because I'm going to be up with God in the clouds forevermore. So I'm going to, I'm going to tentative watch yeah. and listen. I'm, getting, I'm going to mentally condition my spiritual ear to hear 
the word, excuse me, to hear the voice of my Lord. And when I hear it, respond appropriately. Because I want to be one of his sheep. Amen. When he goes, hoody hoo! Right? I want to be like, oh yeah, that's Christ. I need to come into the, uh, the fence because I'm about to get fed. Or I'm about to obtain eternal life. Because the ramifications of not hearing his voice. Yes. Ramifications of not hearing his voice. Okay? Maybe maybe you're not maybe you're not hearing me out. The ramifications of not hearing his voice. In Revelation chapter eleven and verse eighteen. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come in the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldst give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints. And them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. God's going to come back at that time and lay waste to every single thing. Do you want to avoid that fate? You need to hear his voice. Are you listening to Jesus when he speaks to you in the gospel? Are you studying? Are you taking the things that Jesus is speaking to you through his word or are you putting them into practice? If you are not doing those things and you don't hear his voice, and when the time comes when he speaks to you, or rather, hey, I'm coming. You still won't hear it. You still won't respond. And you'll fall victim to his judgment just like everyone else in the world who is not a part of this sheeple. That can all change today. You can come to God with a sprint of repentance and ask him for forgiveness. You can get back into faithful study. You can get back into faithful practice. You can get back to obedience. Today, Jesus says he's faithful to forgive us our trespasses. But what do we have to do? We have to faithfully request that forgiveness. And faithfully requesting forgiveness means that we have to faithfully go to him saying, please forgive me. I'm not going to do that Again, and that is the spirit of repentance. Go back and look at 2 Corinthians to find out what that means. If you are not a member of the body of Christ, you don't have the type of spiritual, you don't have a spirit, not the type, you don't have a spiritual ear to hear him at all. You know, I, I liken it to uh, Jesus being a shepherd of sheep. If you're a goat, biologically, physiologically, genetically, you are not a sheep. So goats aren't going to flock. If, if Jesus is trying to keep a, a, a pure flock of white sheep and you're a, a black goat, He's not going to let you in to, to where his sheep are because you're a black goat. And you're probably thinking, you know what? I want to be a white sheep. I like the way Jesus treats his sheep. I like how he cares for them and how he feeds them and how he protects them. 
but I'm a black goat. And not only am I a black goat, I don't even understand the same language that Jesus is speaking. Let's say Jesus is speaking Aramaic. I don't understand Aramaic. It's kind of like my dog responding to some, you know, if somebody says uh, to my dog, Aqui, siéntate. If you know Spanish, that means come and sit. Right? My dog does not understand Espanol. He understands English. Black sheep don't understand the language of Christ. Not only are you not a sheep, you can't understand what the man is saying. If you're a non-Christian. So if you want to hear and understand what he's saying, if you want to be a white sheep in the sheephold of Jesus Christ, you have to go through a transformation. Amen. That transformation starts by hearing that there is only one shepherd. He only has one flock. And he only has one brand through which he makes or signifies ownership of this flock. Right? And that, that brand is the Holy Spirit. That seal is the Holy Spirit. That identifying mark is the Holy Spirit. So he only allows one type of he only has one flock, the church. He purchased that church with his blood. There's only one shepherd because there's only one God, there's only one Lord. There's only one type of voice that he uses to speak, which is one word, one hope, one calling. If you're a black sheep, you don't understand the, the language of Jesus, you need to hear that. Yes. You need to believe that I, excuse me, you need to believe in that, in the words that has just been spoken. And I apologize, I'm tripping over my tongue again. But I'm getting to a point, and the point is repentance. When you hear, when you believe, you will come to know that you are a black sheep. Or, excuse me, a black goat. My apologies. A black goat who does not understand the voice of Jesus Christ. You will understand that you are outside of the sheepfold for a reason. And you will understand that in order to get into the sheepfold, I've got to stop acting like a goat. I need to start acting like a sheep. So instead of kicking and being ornery, I need to be and obedient. Man. and compliant just like the other sheep I'm not a sheep yet but I'm changing my mind to act more like a sheep I hear I believe it I repent I confess before all my other goats listen that is the shepherd the only begotten shepherd of the farm owner his name is the almighty God Hearing, believing, confessing, excuse me, repenting, confessing, and then with that confession, going down into a bleaching agent, you know, because you need, you know, your, your coat to change from black to white, right? Going and down into a genetic transformation chamber because you were a goat, and now you need to be transformed in the renewing, in, in the renewing of your mind. You need to be transforming your mind from a black goat to a white fish in baptism. Once you're baptized, guess what Jesus is going to do? 
He's going to take the brand. He's going to take the brand of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to put it right there on your back thigh to identify you as one of his sheep. Amen. You will carry the seal, the mark of God. Yes. Amen. By hearing, believing, repenting, confessing, being baptized. And guess what you can do? You can trot as a white sheep, being remiss yes. of your sins, being yes. made clean through the waters of baptism. Yeah. You can go into the sheepfold. You can be where Jesus is. You can be where God is. You can hear Him. You can understand Him. Yes. You can be a part of His family forevermore. Amen. As long as you stay white. As long as you don't revert back to being that black sheep. As long as you live faithfully until death. You'll obtain that crown of life. So, the lesson is yours. We know what the trumpet is. We know how to hear it. Yes. We know what we must do to mentally condition our spiritual minds to obey. And that's to study and to put into practice every single day. So the lesson is yours. We have the urgency to do so. Please come forward. We stand and sing. Psalm 1.